Good evening, and welcome to Call of Cthulhu, our first session with this new group as we head out on the Horror on the Orient Express. So, uh, for many of you, uh, you are probably new to this channel and don't know all of us. Uh, others have watched our previous D&D stream. But, uh, for those of you who don't know us, we will be going through and introducing ourselves and our characters. And I am Josh Parrish. I am the Keeper of Arcane Lore. The most pompous and uh, overwrought title for a GM in any game. No, it's not. <laughs> I'm it, sorry. It's there. Uh, does Sirius have something? God. What was that? The Hollyhock God from Noblis. Oh, crap. I forgot about Noblis. Yeah. That, yeah. Okay, second most. Second, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yes, uh, Keeper of Arcane Lore, or Keeper for short, is the GM of Call of Cthulhu. Uh, I am going to be heading our intrepid group out onto the Orient Express uh, trip across Europe to piece together an artifact, which our characters know nothing about yet and are going to find out about. But uh, it is a interesting campaign uh, as it mixes horror and some adventure and uh, we are going to be using the modified Call of Cthulhu rules for Pulp Cthulhu, which really kind of ramps up the adventure aspect. So for those of you who are not familiar with Pulp Cthulhu, uh, it makes characters much more survivable and gives them unique traits, uh, some of which may be supernatural, some of which are not, but always, always make the character more heroic so uh we are going to be kind of filling you guys in on some of the rules as we go throughout our players are mostly fairly new to call of cthulhu uh but we will be making sure that we get to really bring this together for you so First off, we are going to introduce our characters. And we are going to start off with Brian. Can you introduce yourself and who you will be playing? Uh, hi, I'm Brian. A um, little bit of experience with role-playing stuff, but Clifton Carlisle III is a, uh old East Coast money American uh, male from a from an old wasp family, he's very affable and uh, charismatic, and he's never really had to work for anything in his life. And that somehow means that he's better than everyone, as far as he's concerned. Um, <laughs> he uh, he definitely has uh, he has some combat experience. He fought in the Great War. Um, he has a an air of just overwhelming confidence, no matter what the situation is, and. Um, yeah, I guess that's. I think that's good for now. Okay. Uh, MJ, would you like to introduce Katerina? Yes. So, um, Katerina Soika is a Czech American fortune teller. Um, 
she's quite young and um, quite inexperienced, but nonetheless has some pretty pretty stellar talent when it comes to um, what she thinks are the arcane arts. But, you know, what she's going to soon find out is that she's in for a world of, of discovery um, as what she does is just the tip of the iceberg. Um, yeah, I guess that's pretty much it for now. We'll discover more. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Justin, who is also running our stream tonight, would you like to introduce yourself and Simon? Yeah, sure. I'm Justin. Uh, I'll be playing Simon. Uh, Simon Ashford is a gambler who has been all over the United States, and uh, he's very fun and outgoing. Uh, he's also pretty charming. Uh, he is about five foot three, so on the short side, but uh, <laughs> he has a presence about him that is just a lot of fun. Um, so yeah. Uh, a gambler. Thank Simon's you. Second shortest person. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, Ian, would you like to introduce yourself and Silvio? Sure thing. So I'm Ian. I'm playing Silvio Marquez de Leon. Um, he's a veteran of the Mexican Revolution, which would have been about a decade before this campaign. And uh, when the revolutionary ideals that he really held dear and fought for were betrayed um, and the forces of reaction took over, he fled to the United States and has really been living there since, kind of squeaking out all kinds of odd jobs as a laborer. Um, doesn't really like staying one place for long because that's when the uh, disillusionment really sets in <laughs> um, and tries to keep the memories of uh, what he experienced and what he believes in alive through uh, playing the guitar and through song. But yeah, that's, that's kind of brings us to the present for Silvio. I awesome. Love <laughs> well, those are our characters. However, there will be other characters going in and out sometimes. So just be on the lookout as you get introduced to maybe some interesting additions to the group. But figure we should get started on a few warnings. Uh, first off, for anybody who has not experienced Call of Cthulhu, it is a horror game. Uh, there is plenty of violence and existential dread and horrific things happening. So uh, we'll try to keep it to at least like the R rating level. But if there are any specific content warnings, we will make sure to let you know before any of them happen. Uh, but on that note, things can sometimes get out of hand and... Because of that, our players do have the X card. So if anything ever gets out of hand for one of them, they have the option of letting me know and we will kind of veil it and move on. But with that, uh, kind of a little heads up on the rules for our listeners who have never played Call of Cthulhu before. It uses a D100 system. 
nearly everything that our characters are going to be doing are going to be based from on a skill rating or a rating of 1 to 100. And at that point, uh, you know, when you declare that you're going to do something, you roll a d100. If you roll below your skill or attribute ranking, then it is a success. There are additional rules beyond that. If you succeed by more, you can have a hard success or an extreme success. But that's kind of the gist of it. Our characters not only have health, representing, you know, how they are going to get horribly hurt throughout this, but they also have sanity, representing their minds breaking. And we will deal with insanities when they happen. But our campaign is Horror on the Orient Express. And first off, I would like to thank Chaosium for just putting out an awesome game and actually reprinting Horror on the Orient Express, which uh, has been through a few different editions. In fact, over my shoulder here, I have the uh, first supplement made for 7th edition Call of Cthulhu. Uh, which still used a lot of the 6th edition formatting and uh, is a giant, giant box full of stuff. Uh, it's uh, like six books, a whole bunch of packets, and just a ton of stuff, which is glorious, except it's uh, it wasn't necessarily ideal for people to, to rifle through, and uh, it went out of print a couple of years ago and chaosium recently uh reprinted it and your friendly local gaming store will likely be getting copies in soon so if you are interested interested in running this yourself it is available on pdf and the print edition will be available soon uh if you have not played call of cthulhu before and want to start with your group uh, over my other shoulder, I have the starter box, which is a great place to start. Uh, depending on where you catch it and when you catch it, usually about 10 bucks on PDF or 20 bucks in print. And we'll introduce you to the game and give you a whole bunch of adventures that you can run not only uh, with your group, but even solo. So uh, just a, a little plug for them because they are kind enough to help promote the stream. Uh, but they are awesome folks at Chaosium. But Horror on the Orient Express does start out in 1923. In fact, January 1st of 1923, our characters wake up the morning of January, 20, uh, January 1st, 1923, uh, possibly a bit hungover after enjoying a party at the Janus Society in London, England. Some of them were brought there by their friend, Professor Julius Smith. Others were brought there just as members of the Janus Society. And the Janus Society is a group dedicated to studying uh, primarily European cultures. 
they are explorers and academics that have decided that the colonialism uh, that is so popular in that day of age is kind of played out and doesn't really give any value to the world. And the Janus Society has decided that they're going to study their own past and look at uh, primarily European cultures, but also uh, early American cultures and uh, even a little bit in Central America. But uh, for the most part, they stick to the their European roots. And the parties that the Janus Society hosts always are uh, really focused on change. And so New Year's is the biggest party that they have. This year is at their uh, headquarters in London. And Professor Julia Smith is hosting the party on New Year's Eve, which is eh, not the not the important part. New Year's Day is the most important part. And in fact, there is actually a speech that he is giving at the uh, the Janus Society headquarters as a part of the Challenger Lecture Series. Uh, he is having many academics from all around Europe come listen to him talk about some of the cultural discoveries that he has made. Uh, and he has invited many guests because of that. So we are opening things at the party on New Year's Day, uh, probably about half an hour to an hour before the lecture begins. And right now, the, the lecture hall itself is pretty empty, but the party area is definitely a bit crowded. What are you guys doing Still while in. you're waiting? Roughly, like, how many people-ish are there? Is it, like, a couple hundred, or are we talking, like, like a lot, lot? Uh, between 300 and 400. Okay. Um, I think... Is, sorry. What time no, of day is this? Uh, that's is? a good question. Uh, it is late afternoon, early evening. I think um, Kat would be um, a bit of a loner, not really knowing anybody and not really feeling um, like this isn't really necessarily her scene. She's just here kind of um, looking for more clients and enjoying the lack of prohibition. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so I think she's kind of like off in a corner keeping quiet, keeping to herself, swirling a Merlot or something. Yeah, Simon is definitely having a great time. Uh, I'm sure he's found a, a center of people to converse with and joke around with. And uh, yeah, he would be a, at the lively center. So wherever there's rowdiness, that's probably where he'd be. So, actually, uh, with that said, you definitely find a group of uh, what can only be described as, uh, like, uh, explorers, like men's men sort of explorers. 
And even though this is a, you know, a gala and a lecture, they're wearing like just dirty, uh, rugged vests and kind of grungy clothes. And they've got like adventures packs slung over a shoulder and they're chatting with each other and they kind of get you over and they start telling their heroic tales, uh, which 90% you can tell is completely made up, but they are definitely the life of the, the party, at least right now. Yeah, I'd definitely be hanging out with them and trading fantastical stories, I guess. Trying to one-up them. I don't know if I need to one-up them, but maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Luke's over there at the same group and definitely trying to one-up them. And he's probably about ah. two brandies being raised. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, what I'm going to do, since you are trying to one-up them, is I am going to tr uh, have you roll fast talk. And because oh, you specified... <laughs> because you specified that you are a couple of brandies deep, you are going to get a bonus die, which introduces a mechanic uh, for our watchers bonus dice it's kind of like uh, for those of you who know D&D &D, it's kind of like advantage uh, it's almost like getting a reroll on it not quite but works out that way which is something that you guys can purchase for our players dang it I already did it wrong how do I roll it with a bonus I don't remember. Well, that's okay. You do roll just like you did, uh, but underneath you uh, you can see bonus slash penalty. Oh yes. Click that. Okay. So. Not a matter. <laughs> so definitely a failure. However, the rest of the crowd doesn't seem to really either notice or care. They're just like, "Oh wow, you did that! Oh my god, that's amazing!" and they seem to be kind of rolling with it. <laughs> Clifton is so lacking in self-awareness, he probably just buys that they are completely blown away. <laughs> I think for Silvio, he's kind of wary of this type of crowd and uh, similar to Cat, kind of off to the side. If there's any like live music, musicians playing, he's probably watching them and simultaneously kind of Keeping an ear out, trying to get a sense of, like, what type of people these are. Absolutely. Uh, there are actually two different uh, live bands playing. Uh, one kind of towards the entrance of the gala. There is just a general quartet playing soft music as you enter. But in the back there is actually a uh, small big band orchestra and they're playing kind of more the the music of the day if you will ej jazzy jeff <laughs> <laughs> that's the music of the day <laughs> yeah i think sylvia would probably be more towards like the big band and kind of checking them out okay yeah, for the most part, the the gala seems kind of, uh, kind of more sedate than you would expect, and maybe it's because some of the partiers were up 
you know, way too late last night and drinking way too much because, as was mentioned, anybody from America would know that Prohibition is in full force there, but here in England, not so much. So there are a lot of travelers that may be partaking a bit. But after, you know, after about 20, 30 minutes, the uh, the ushers start bringing people into the lecture hall itself. And the lecture hall is very clearly organized as a quality lecture hall. These are academic speeches given here. And despite the, the absolute party atmosphere outside, the moment that you enter into the lecture hall, uh, it is very clear that this is a different setting. With that said, there are tables set up because food is going to be served. And just so conveniently, the four of you are as guests of Professor Smith seated together, along with one other person who, Cat, uh, you actually recognize as being one of the um, members of the Boston branch of the Janus Society. Uh, would, you, would it make ahead. sense that they're the client that, that like got me into the club, maybe? I was going to say, it is up to you if they okay. are a client of yours or not. I think it would be, I think it would make sense. Okay. Yeah. So there are five of you seated at this table. And, oh, uh... oh, go ahead. I just, I, I haven't, we haven't really talked about appearances too much, I guess. I just wanted to oh, mention yeah. that Cliff is very well dressed. Um, <laughs> Just, yeah, and, and clearly moves in, in that type of clothing like he was born into it. Do we want to briefly go around and describe our characters? I was going to say now might be a good time to do so since you are meeting each other for the first time. Physically? Yeah, I guess I should also mention he's, well, the portrait's pretty accurate. Justin found this one, but he's uh, <clears throat> very Aryan looking, very good looking, um, very well dressed, and. Um, as soon as we moved into the lecture hall, he has a sort of a bored look on his face. Like he's looking for something to distract him, anything. That's it. <laughs> um, I'll go next. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so, uh, Karanina has uh, um, a uh, youngish, kind of uh, almost boyish face with like um, short, cropped black hair that kind of comes down to about here. Um, and, like, shaven along the back and sides. And uh, she has, like, some light freckles across her cheeks. Um, very, very cute and dainty, very petite looking. Um, and severely underdressed for this event. <laughs> like... Very clearly not in the same wealth category as everybody else. <laughs> At least not this guy. <laughs> I think uh, for Silvio, he is uh, he's 
in his early 30s, has the, the picture is pretty close, has a mustache, kind of, um, he's wearing, like, his, he's dressed up for the occasion, but it's like his one suit that he has, <laughs> um, and it, he definitely takes care of it, so it's not like it's, like, dirty or rumpled, it looks, it looks good, but it definitely has some wear to it, you can tell it's, like, the one suit that he owns, um, and, uh, his, if anyone sees his hands, that that's the part of him that's just really like weathered and rough. But uh, other than that, he he looks kind of uncomfortable to be at the table, or at least wary with these other strangers. Yeah, Simon. Uh, he is short, as I'd mentioned. Uh, he's also sort of on the thinner side. Um, uh, he does have the top of his hair dyed red. So he's very audacious and he's very out there. Um, Hair dye in 1923. Yeah, that's right. This is pulp, darn it. I want to look cool. (laughs) 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 uh, But yeah, he's, he also looks very well trimmed, uh, but he does not walk like a gentleman or he, he looks like, uh, he is very comfortable in what he's wearing, but it's not like he's uh, restrained like a, a, a quote-unquote gentleman would be. Um, so, yeah. Since, since you made me think about it, um, uh, Kat is wearing a button-up black uh, blouse with a, a bit of a collar, um, but like some, some fluff. Um, and... Uh, like a long conservative skirt. Cool. Okay. Well, now we got. <laughs> I think I think Clifton's in a dark gray chalk stripe suit with a gold tie, and plenty of uh, embellishments such as uh, <clears throat> what's that? A tie pin, some rings, you know, that like type of thing. Cufflinks that cost more than my entire outfit. <laughs> Yeah, and, like, what would probably be considered nowadays as maybe even, like, borderline obnoxious, uh, uh, you know, trappings of wealth type stuff. Like, just, yeah. I think Simon would be, Simon would be wearing, like, a, it would be a a black suit, but also with a black shirt, but the inside of the, the, the jacket, it's, like, the red inner coat or whatever, so, yeah. Oh, yeah, the the crimson lining? Yep, yep, exactly. (laughs) He's got a nice pocket square too. <laughs> also red. <laughs> Gee, what's his favorite color? <laughs> it does match my hair. Yes. Yep. <laughs> and I, I think uh, Simon would have, uh, when we get into the lecture hall, he probably would have brought a bottle of whiskey from the uh, the entry hall. <laughs> so. Oh man, I'm sitting next to you. uh when you sit down uh and kind of introduce yourselves to each other uh the the waiter that is in the area kind of politely interrupts uh your first course will be out momentarily and within i kid you not like 15 seconds of him saying that there is an army of servers that just begin flooding the hall and the first course 
actually consists of a nice salad, which is in 1920s Europe, the height of luxury. Getting fresh vegetables, in particular lettuce in 1920s Europe, is pretty much unheard of. So uh, salad is your first course, and that just kind of sets you guys all up to know, oh, they mean business here. Uh, even Clifton is a little bit surprised by the, you know, the height of luxury represented by this one small thing. He makes a joke about the, uh, <clears throat> the second reason joining the society is for adventure. The first is for the food. <laughs> Sylvia looks very uncomfortable to be served. He's kind of like, um, like taking his plate from the server and like doing his best to help them. He feels very uncomfortable in this situation. Cat feels very um, out of place. Almost like she doesn't. She doesn't say anything, but she. You get the sense that she feels like um, they're wasting this on her. <laughs> Is it? Can we just like as a little quirky moment? Can there be like a, a thing where I wind up correcting someone's use of a utensil? Like they grab the wrong fork, and he informs them that oh, I'm sorry, that that's actually for the entree. You should the salad fork is right here, type deal. I feel like that could that could that could certainly be Cat, maybe Silvio. I don't know. What do you think? He does it in a way that is not it somehow doesn't feel offensive though. Doesn't feel uh, condescending, but okay. totally well, is. Let's say, let's say Cat, and she she looks um terrified for like a split second and then realizes that you're not you know that you're just being helpful and uh she says uh oh uh thank you um like grabs the other fork and very very quietly digs in of course yeah. so simon would probably notice that uh, both sylvio and cat are uh feeling a little uncomfortable, so he will probably break the ice with some good stories or whatnot before the uh, um, before the lecture starts happening. And also, you just sort of introduce himself and see who everyone else is here. Clifton Carlisle III. I'm from Greenwich. Joined the society a few years ago, mostly for the adventure. After the war, uh, normal life seemed trivial. I'm Simon Ashford. Uh, I'm here for just to have a fun time. Uh, everyone in the society seems to get round everywhere, and it's fun to uh, to see what everyone's up to. Um, yeah, just here to relax and have a good time, and I guess hear some people talking. <laughs> Sylvia will um, take a moment and kind of unsure how to respond to these people and then just introduce himself. Silvio, I'm not sure why I'm here. It's, uh, I guess it's nice to be away from the suffocation of America for a bit. You, sir, seem like a man who's lived a storied life. Sorry, that was Many, so st <laughs> Many stories, not all of them happy. 
Uh, well, we let's see if we can fix that. I don't know. I got nothing. Charming <laughs> 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 and but dismissive, and move on. <laughs> uh, so there's a brief moment of silence as all eyes fall on Katarina, and she says nothing, and then she realizes that everyone's waiting, and she says, "Oh, oh me! Oh, I am." Um, I am Katerina Soika. I'm here thanks to the generosity of our esteemed colleague. And she points to the man from Boston. And he kind of nods his head. Maxwell Burns. uh, uh, Several of us from Boston and New York and the other American sites of the society got invites to come along. So, it is good to meet you all. Yeah, good to meet you. It is good to see you again, Mr. Burns. Likewise. Yeah. Mr. Burns. It's <laughs> <laughs> a kind of a compliment. <laughs> Honestly, I'm... Uh, I'm mostly here for the party. Uh, I, I mean, no offense to... No offense to Professor Smith, but I have seen various lectures of his many times, and it's, uh, many of them are along the same lines. So for me, I'm here to meet people, have fun, enjoy some food. And after my own heart. heart. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Seems like we're all at a good table then. What is the topic of tonight's lecture? Do you know? Uh, I would assume it is something along the lines of uh, some ancient Roman dig site or uh, some, you know, late uh, Dark Ages discovery. Uh, who knows with professor smith he he goes off on very random uh, lines of study sometimes so we'll see i guess but uh, i'll be honest with you i'm i'm not looking forward to anything too exciting i'll tell you the trick for tonight is going to be drinking just enough but not too much that you fall asleep during the lecture While everyone's talking, Silvio's like rummaging through his pocket for something, and the next time a server comes by, he he slips the server a pamphlet that he has. <laughs> is that a That's totally a communist pamphlet, isn't it? Since I'm not, since I'm not really engaged in the conversation, can I spot that? Uh, yes, you can roll spot hidden. Sweet. Uh, Ian, how how stealthy are you trying to be with it? Um, I wouldn't say I'm trying to be too stealthy. It would be more like, um, that's a good question. I wouldn't necessarily be trying to hide it from the people at my table, but maybe in, people in general, so I don't get the server in trouble. Okay. Uh, so, in that case, I am not going to make you roll for this, since it's just kind of more of an under-the-table sort of thing. But, uh... Do I not? Yeah. I got a uh, failure. Uh, in that case, no. You see that he is kind of 
uh, he he's kind of making an odd motion, but you don't see what he's doing. I don't see anything. Okay. And uh, not long afterwards, they bring out the soup, uh, which is the next course, and an announcement is made. In five minutes, Professor Smith will take the stage and his lecture will begin. All right. How's the soup? It is unsurprisingly excellent. <laughs> I, now, I want to know what's in the soup. <laughs> I'm really testing, uh, really testing Josh's. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to know your, your knowledge of 1920s soups. <laughs> uh, so, uh, it is a seafood chowder. Uh, the the seafood chowders of the era were primarily whitefish and uh, mussels and uh, things like that. But this one is actually uh, has some additional uh, fish to it, including there is what you assume is tuna in it, which is a bit on the expensive side at this time. See, hey. did my knowledge of the of the soups of the era pass? Well done, well done. <laughs> so after soup, uh, everybody kind of starts quieting down, knowing that Professor Smith is going to take the stage, and of course he does. And uh, Professor Smith is a fairly large very jolly fellow uh he is a man of uh we'll just say you know extravagant tastes and it is clear he has enjoyed many of those tastes in his life uh he has a very bushy uh, wonderful mustache that is stained a little bit orangey by uh, tobacco smoke. In particular, uh, for those of you who have met him, pipes and cigars both are his vices. He does not smoke cigarettes. Uh, he finds those uh, personally distasteful, but he doesn't judge other people that smoke them. But he is, uh, he really prefers pipes and uh in particular uh cigars from south america and he comes out and he has one of those cigars in between his teeth and he's kind of chewing on it and he waddles a bit with the help of his cane uh up to the front of the stage and bellows out a good evening everybody and instantly the room just kind of is set at ease. He has a presence about him that just feels friendly. I've brought everybody here on our wonderful start of a brand new year to talk about something unusual. Our New Year's lectures tend to be a bit on the boring side, wouldn't you say? And, you know, there's some spattered laughter in the crowd. And 
I have decided that we're going to make things a bit more interesting this year. This year, we're going to talk about hauntings. In particular, some things that have been reported throughout the ages in Europe and the cultural impact that they have and how some of these so-called hauntings persist today and what I think they might actually be. And from there, he goes on a beautiful, well-written, essentially rant about uh, the, the history of hauntings in Europe and how, unlike in the rest of the world, in European culture, places are haunted. Not necessarily people or things, and hauntings are not always ghosts in Europe. There may be a spirit or a concept haunts an area. But he brings up specific examples and goes into how aberrations usually don't actually manifest in any haunting that has any real evidence. Not that we think that there is, you know, definitive proof, but... And then kind of goes on. It It's a bit rambly at times, but it's incredibly incredibly engrossing to listen to this man speak um so two things one i think um katharina is a lot more engaged in this speech than <laughs> um to the point where she probably doesn't even realize when the next course arrived and two can i roll a cult to know how much of this lines up with my own knowledge and how much of it is like out of the blue absolutely Anybody else uh, who would like to can as well. Ooh, extreme yeah, I... success. Ooh, nice. nice. It's extreme. I, just I, I, I know it, and I'm on a surfboard. <laughs> <laughs> I, as soon as he starts going into, we're not going to talk about something different, then he gets these hauntings immediately. Clifton's like, okay, wait, what? And then when he starts talking, he either he looks around the table. If anyone's got any notepad or paper... If they do not, I'm assuming they don't, he, like, sort of, like, not roughly, but, like, insistently flags down a server and basically steals their, if they, oh, it's all the same course. He wants something to write down. I was thinking he'd steal down their little waiter notepad, but that's not a thing that they would necessarily have. But, like, he so, immediately wants to start, he, like, kind of can strong arm, like, you know what I mean? When you call over the server uh, and... Basically, as soon as you start making a gesture that could indicate you want to write something down, he pulls out a small, it's not bound, but a small pad of paper and a uh, a ballpoint pen, which ballpoints were very rare at this time. Not super expensive, but they were rare. And uh, hands it to you, just like, hands it to you, it walks off. And you said we could, we could roll through here, or? Uh, you can roll a cult if you would like. I mean, he doesn't have a trend, but... <laughs> he built the same as me. And uh, 
Silvio, you're you're just kind of listening in. Yeah, the, the definitely. I think he's so skeptical of occult stuff, he wouldn't even like worry about that part. But he is interested in, in this idea of ideas haunting a place. Mm -hmm. And you can tell that uh, Professor Smith is a skeptic himself. He's not saying that, oh my god, ghosts are everywhere, but talking about kind of the history behind them. Uh, but since Kat got a extreme success, uh, in fact, you actually recognize some of the examples he's giving uh, as things that have been kind of in occult circles as proof uh including he references a uh taxi that is in london that uh has been kind of talked about and has been in newspapers because uh there is supposedly a haunted taxi where the driver is you know alive but the passengers that are in the taxi are never actually real passengers. They seem to always be there, but nobody ever sees when they get in the taxi or when they leave. So this one, he kind of glosses over, but it is a particular note to you being in London right now. Like, hmm, this guy does yeah, know current events. Everybody else can tell that Cat is just like engrossed. <laughs> when you side note, where I mean, is this we're talking about automobile taxis or are we talking about still horse drawn type deal? I don't remember what the proliferation of combustion engines was in 1923 in London. It could be either, but it, uh, internal combustion vehicles are becoming common in London. definitely not in every every family has one sort of situation but uh the streets are definitely clogged with them of course it is london so mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh for those of you who do not know london streets especially at this time were constructed terribly because they were constructed for foot traffic not vehicles so navigation in London is awful and uh, any kind of vehicle traffic, whether carriage or motorized vehicle, is just beyond terrible. But he does make it through the lecture. The lecture is actually fairly interesting, despite uh, some reservations some of you might have. And... After the uh, requisite applause, Professor Smith leaves the stage and begins going to some of the tables to meet and greet with folks. And after just, you know, a few short trips to different tables, he does come to your table and shakes all of your hands and asks your... Uh, guest at the table the one from boston uh sir would you mind uh I, i'm a bit parched would you fetch some water for me and he kind of scurries off professor smith uh looks 
visibly relieved when the man leaves. Uh, point of order. Yes. We're frozen. Okay. What? Oh. We're, we're frozen on this on the stream. Justin. Oh. Uh, yeah, I, I switched the the screen for a moment while I try to figure this out. Did our viewers miss your cat? Desperately asking for your attention. Yeah, yeah, my cat is trying to claw at my skin, yeah. and it, her nails are really sharp. Yeah. Ugh. Oh. So, so Professor so Smith is now there. relieved. Or are we, sorry, should we wait till we? Oh. Or do we have the stream? Yeah, let's. Fix it? Well, we can keep going. I mean, this is just the RP. Loading it back up again, real quick. Yeah, that's what I'll. I'm gonna. First, I'm going to try to do some Discord stuff, and if that doesn't work, I'm going to reload. So I was going to say, we have, we have some important plot points coming up here, so... Okay. Uh, <laughs> no. Take a moment. <laughs> party. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing. Nothing will happen. It's definitely not going to be... I actually have no idea. Okay. And of course, Brian has left us. Oh no. <laughs> That's okay. Just, uh, just give me, keep going. Did we have a key attack? Hmm. <laughs> Brian's dog. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, we're back, folks. Uh, so we'll we'll catch him up. As, oh, okay. Uh, so Professor Smith looks visibly relieved when uh, when you guys are all left alone with him. So I know who all of you are. How much do you know about me? Mostly just what the members of New York told me about you. And of course, the few drinks we shared over the last two years at the lectures on the first. If I'm to be completely honest, sir, very little. But I've found your speech, um, Engrossing. I'm glad yes. to hear that. Engrossing. <laughs> I know what you've written in our correspondence with each other. That means I know about half of you, but not the other half, which is actually meeting you in person. Well, I am glad to finally actually meet you. And for the rest of you, 
being able to put faces to the names is appreciated on my end. But your names actually came to me as folks who might be able to help me with something. I have an issue that I am trying to take care of, and I need some assistance from able hands and able minds. And I was hoping that you wouldn't mind meeting up with me in a couple of days after the, the parties are done and everything is calming down uh, and discussing about a job opportunity that I have for you. With all due respect, sir, there must be some mistake. I am no one of consequence. All of you have important roles that you can play to help me out with the the task I would like to commit to. I think all of you would be great help and of great consequence, if you will. Sorry, can I just side note? He's English, right? So I'm I'm in my head I'm I'm thinking an English accent. Uh, good, uh, important thing to note is I am terrible with accents and you probably will not hear me do accents much. Um, yep. I will also mispronounce everything. Uh, but, uh, in his case, no, he does not have a strong English accent. Uh, he has spent a lot of time in, uh, well, really all over the world. And uh, while there's a faint English accent, it's not prominent. I, I should note that um, Katarina is speaking with a bit of an accent as well, um, but it's um, it's not very pronounced. And I'm not going to really. I'm going to pronounce a couple words, but yeah, that's about it. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, same with Silvio. He has an accent. English is not his first language. Oh. Do I get the idea okay, so, that uh, uh, he actually knows who I am? Uh, well, if you would like to try to kind of get a sense of what's going on in this guy's brain, uh, any of you guys can roll psychology. Ooh. Let's do that. Do it. Let's, let's fail some yeah, more. Let's get, let's get on the board here. <laughs> now, uh, that is a failure for me 45 one thing to remember and it's not necessarily for this role but you can always spend luck to bring your role down which would make it a success potentially but uh, in this case hmm Oh. I, this is not a super consequential role, though, so I'm not going to probably do that. Uh, but I got a hard you... success, so I don't care. Yeah, we have two hard successes and a regular success here. So, uh, Simon, you're you're pretty sure that uh, he does seem genuinely interested in you guys, and you guys specifically. You're not sure past that, but the way that he's talking and carrying himself... He does seem to know who you guys are and interested in you guys specifically. Uh, for Clifton and Kat, uh, you guys definitely get the, the same idea. But also, there is something about him that is indicating an air of true desperation. 
like almost verging on fear sort of desperation. I don't get uh, it. Now, uh, for so those of you... That... Oh, yep. So I'm sorry. I guess so with that, long, uh, meaningful glance at the professor, and then one by run, I'm now reanalyzing all of my companions at the table because clearly they are in some way as important as I am. <laughs> that can't be the case. There's no way. I mean, same plane, maybe. Not, you know, obviously not the same level, but... Right, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> what is the nature of this job? As much as I'd like to tell you here, we don't have much time alone, and this is not the sort of thing that really should be shared in public with and he looks around well the walls have ears and well, he I hope you all join us he hands each of you a uh, a slip of paper and uh, has an address on it this is where you can stay for the next few days if you'd like and I will meet you there after I have taken care of my necessary duties for the society and uh, we'll say and he pulls out his pocket watch and uh, kind of looks very carefully at it we'll say this time on the 4th But in, in the meantime, you can use uh, that particular home is, uh, it's my secondary home here in the city. You can use it to do whatever you want here in London. Uh, I have arranged for a little bit of spending money while you are in town and considering this potential job and come the 4th, we will meet, and if you decide to part ways, I will take no offense to that. Oh, color me interested. Puts his pocket watch away. Very well. Uh, if you can excuse me, I believe uh, our guest is returning. And the, you know, Joe Schmo, uh, Mr. Burns returns to the table with a uh, a you know pitcher of actual ice water another rarity just this whole party has been the picture of excess for the the 1920s and professor smith goes back to his very jovial nature oh thank you thank you i'm so glad i appreciate it i was mm. Talking for a couple hours will do that to a man. And then he moves on to the next table. <laughs> and he, you get the sense, for those of you who already passed your psychology test, he seemed to be moving on to the next table before you guys could continue to ask him questions. <laughs> sure. That was a, let me get the fuck out of here. It was on the down, in other words. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can we say 
Heathcliff does some kind of like uh, if like Mr. <laughs> Mr. Burns, Maxwell Burns uh, maybe asks, begins to ask about what we talked about, he'll do a disarming redirect and uh, make sure the conversation steers away from anything that might be what Professor Smith doesn't want him asking about. <clears throat> Absolutely. I would seeing like a, a... Seeing how bad Clifton mangled his story last time, <laughs> I think I'm definitely trying to help him out as he's trying to do this. <laughs> that is good to know. Uh, so, I am going to have both of you make a charm roll, and because oh, you are assisting each other, it's go uh, both of you are going to have a bonus die. Meanwhile, while they're doing that, Josh... Um, Katharina has a bit of a nervous tick, and her knee is like, like, what, 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 like, she is fidgeting, like, uh, like, well, I shouldn't say like crazy in a Call of Cthulhu game, but <laughs> she's fidgeting quite a bit. That's pretty sensitive here, right? I... <laughs> so I botched the thing that I'm best at. Uh, even with the bonus die, I think, as you said, it, the, the bonus die only affects the 10 slot, right? Yeah. Yep. It wouldn't matter next. Uh, this would still... So, I botched that, but it looks like Mr. Ashford did decently. Did spectacularly. Uh, now, yeah. one thing to keep in mind, uh, you can always spend, since you only failed by three, you can spend three luck points. That's not very much, and turn it into a success. Yeah, let's do that. Just because I have not... Let's play with the luck system. It's not a, a highly... Do I have to... So on your so character we're... sheet, you would just lower the amount of luck that you have by three? Uh, you didn't have to roll that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I meant to... I'm not in edit mode, so it made it a roll. Instead, uh... yeah. Oh, that's okay. You can also click your token... And on the token, the amount in the green circle is your luck. You can just change that as well. So there are a couple of ways in Roll20 you can do it. But uh, because specifically both of you succeeded, you are able to distract Maxwell long enough to not see Cat kind of having her, her nervous tick over there. And in fact, you are, uh, especially with Simon's extreme success, uh, you are able to kind of convince him that it was a boring enough conversation and you are boring enough people that maybe he should go elsewhere and <laughs> find some more interesting people to be around. That's... I'm glad we did this in such a nice way. <laughs> leave. He kind of takes his, you know, leave of you guys. Uh, you know, oh, well, uh, it was wonderful eating with you. And uh, Katerina, I will see you again, I'm sure. She, um, she, she, she gives him her hand and does a, a short little curtsy. And then as soon as he's out of earshot, she turns to everyone else and says... Thank you. <laughs> no problem. No problem at all. Did all of that happen? It did. Um, yes. 
Are it you... seems that I came here for a reason other than a lecture, but I still don't know what this means. Katarina sort of composes herself for a moment, and you see her like fall into a different persona, and she... Um, well, we are all meant for things beyond our comprehension. Um, perhaps. Um, hmm? Hey, you see Uncle Brian there? I know. Um, just, he, I, something arrogant. He says something arrogant. Insert arrogant comment here. Yeah. Perhaps, uh, if you would like your fortune told, I could help eludicate you on that purpose. I don't know that word. I hope I used it correctly. <laughs> Pretty sure you did. Yes, I did. <laughs> Actual writer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sure, I'm always up for some activity that toes the line between blasphemy and holiness. That Sorry, was she actually offering that to me or something else? <laughs> I think I was. I think I was just offering it to the table, although I was saying it in response to what Silvio said. But yeah, I, I think it's well within Clifton's character to just interject, you know? To just assume that. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, that happens to be my specialty, sir. And she, in response to somewhere between blasphemy and uh, um, whatever you said. Um, so yeah, if it's not too weird, um, well, I guess even if it is too weird, I think she would pull out a, a small pouch from her purse and from inside the pouch she'll pull out a deck of cards and she'll do a short very short just three cards tarot reading for Clifton uh, well, this is happening Clifton the air of a slightly amused but very condescending tourist the people around at the party do briefly take notice, but it's not so much a, oh, weird sort of thing, like a, oh, neat sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, I am here for looking for new clients, so why not? That's <laughs> my trade. Um, should I roll? Yes, you should. All right. So I rolled divination and I got a failure. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I guess the, the meaning of the cards is unclear, perhaps? Uh, uh, not exactly. Okay. I'm going to type up what you get, but okay. you guys can kind of chat. Okay. I think Sylvia would that be was... watching this kind of skeptically and seeing if... Not necessarily like shenanigans, because it's not like it's like a card trick or something, but just trying to like suss out whether um, she's the real deal or not. <clears throat> the the people, the looky-loos, are they like within earshot or are they just kind of like watching from the... He's distracted. They're, they're watching from far enough away that unless you were talking very loud, they wouldn't be able to hear anything. They're definitely taking notice of what you are doing physically, but they wouldn't be able to hear anything. 
At least you're pretty sure. Well, I have to say, this uh, table placement is quite serendipitous. You three are an eclectic and interesting group of people. Pleasure to make your acquaintance yet again. Yourself as well. Um, uh, so I, I think she, she lays out the cards, and um, she starts off doing a very theatric and performative reading um, with her accent a little bit more stated, right? Um, she starts off like, ah, yes, the fool. The fool, you are beginning on a journey. You are an innocent, free spirit, and there is this new opportunity for you, but you are not yet uh, in full understanding and comprehension of what this journey will entail. And then she flips over the next card and her face just pales. And she recovers and says, it might be tough. Um, there may be, um, there may be threats that you might face, something ominous, but you will, um, you will make it through. And then she flips over the third card and just like, again, like pales and is just like, <clears throat> the nine of pentacles. Okay, well, and her accent drops and she says, you know what, I, um, I'm still practicing. I'm not 100%. <clears throat> and she scoops them up and puts them back in her pouch and just like looks aghast. And again, like the accent was just gone. Just a hundred percent gone. She sounded uh, purely American. Well, no need to take this so seriously, my dear. The point is, just superstition, after all. I think she really took a bite and kicked. More brandy, please. So. As this is going on, I would like all of you to roll spot hidden. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> I always put points in these in this skill. Failure. <clears throat> what I always fail to. But Simon has an extreme success. Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah. Very nice, Simon. Uh, as, as they're distracted by the the reading. Uh, you notice two things, in fact. You notice, one, there is something that was underneath the table over near uh, Clifton. You didn't see what it was, but you caught movement out of the corner of your eye there. You also notice that one of the, the looky-loos, if you will, uh, seems to be taking particular note of your group. A uh, he appears to be a Turkish man, uh, wearing a uh, a fez, which, for those of you who don't know, very common in that day for Turkish men to wear. Uh, wearing a fez and a nice suit, uh, seem to be paying a little bit more attention out of the the looky loos, if you will. 
But after the, after you know the the reading is done, he seems to just kind of and then walk off. And I know none of that information. Yeah. If you're paying attention, or roll twenty. Yep. So uh, I am unbothered. Okay. Um, so the movement I saw by Clifton was that like consistent with someone maybe trying to do a pickpocket or something like that, or someone was too close, or there's actually something I think under the table, or. Uh, it would be rather obvious if somebody was under the table. The, yeah. These are not these are not incredibly large tables, and the the runners don't go all the way to the ground. Uh, but there was definitely someone or something uh, that was moving down in that area near Clifton's feet. Uh, I guess I'll take a closer. Look, just sort of lean back a little bit so I can get a better angle. <laughs> Whatever it is is gone. There's nothing there now. Well, I'll note that Turkish guy at least, um, but I I don't need to say anything right now. Okay. And uh, clarification: that address. I'm trying to remember. The professor gave us that was for the place we can stay or the place we're supposed to meet him. Uh, both. Oh. Both, oh. okay. Yes. <laughs> Even better. It's a place you can stay, but also our sure. It was his, like, Vienna Terre? Was that the, it was, like, his or his second home or something like that? Yeah, it was his second home in town. And okay. we're meeting in, it's the on the 4th. So we're uh, meeting on the 4th. That was the... Yep. Right? Okay. He said, this time on the 4th. And it's, can we just quantify, are we talking like, is it like 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock? Like, this time it'd be about 7 o'clock. It'd be about 7 in the evening. And is the kind of event still going on, or are people starting to wrap up? What's the, the mood like? Uh, the lecture, uh, it has completed, so it's kind of transforming back into more of the party atmosphere. Uh, before he, okay, Clifton's about to break from the table to go schmooze with other people, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. he did, would like to check with the, hold on, is, shit, is Maxwell Burns here? No, he, he, we got him to go away, right? Yeah, he left. He's gone. Yeah, he left. Forget about him. Okay, he's so... <laughs> Just kidding. He's going to double check. Uh, uh, Cliff's going to double check to make sure no one's, like, in eavesdropping range exactly. And uh, he's just going to uh, say something along the line, you know, like, uh, well, uh, I'm going to go schmooze, but I'd love to see you all tomorrow at the uh, aforementioned location. And uh, he'll, you know, go off to... Find more brandy, I guess. Let's say the waiter never actually came back with the brandy. <laughs> Silvio nods, and when Clifton leaves the table, he kind of lets out an audible breath like he had been holding it. <laughs> Clifton was there. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Mr. Devayon, what do you what do you make of this? I don't know what I make of it exactly. It seems very mysterious. And I don't know much about this society either. Do you? I must say I am relatively in the dark as well. <laughs> Mr. Burns invited me after um, I told his fortune um, several times back in Arkham, where I'm from. He is an eccentric gentleman and decided to invite me to be this club, as it were. But I, I must say, I do not feel at home. I know the feeling. I've, I find these types of societies are often excuses for men to guard their secrets from those they think are lesser. No offense. Then take on. Um, oh, still, it's a job. It intrigues me. It's true. I certainly could use the money, she says under her breath. <laughs> <laughs> Better probably than scaling a skyscraper, I'm sure. <laughs> Do you all think you'll stay at this place he told us about? Yeah, like I said, it does intrigue me, so I don't see why not. Um, at least to hear him out. Plus, uh, he's footing the bill. Can't argue with that. Um, Pat glances very quickly at her. The 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 bag of tarot cards. Um, like poking out of her purse and then looks back I yes <laughs> it's okay. worth hearing out at least I think so I am going to share with you guys Map of London. So, at the party, it kind of winds down after a while. Uh, as I said, some people are still hungover from the day before, and some people are partying a little too much. You may stay as late as you want, but if you are going to go back to the address that Professor Smith gave you. Uh, it is actually in Bloomsbury, which is a very, very nice part of town. Uh, not terribly far from some of the nicest uh, hotels and uh, gentlemen's clubs, uh, not in the adult sense that we know them today, but uh, in the 1920s style of gentlemen's club. Uh, but there are a lot of them in that area. And uh, his, uh, his 
secondary home that you are offered stay at is not extremely large, uh, but it is able to comfortably fit the four of you. So who all is going to be staying there? Sorry, can we can we just uh, ask where was the uh, the where's the uh, the office for the Janus Society? Oh, in uh, that is actually uh, it is on the southern tip of the Soho neighborhood, so not terribly far away. So we're just going like up there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, based on sorry to answer your question. Based on, you know, everything, he's probably staying in a posh hotel. Okay. Uh, or I think a lot of those gentlemen's clubs have, have residences, too. I don't He probably belongs to at least one of them, just, you know, as a matter of principle type deal or, or you know, appearances sake, uh, nothing yeah. else. So he's probably not going to stay there. But um, based on this proposition to meet again, he will drop by. Clifton, that is. Absolutely. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if Clifton was a member of uh, the Oriental Club, which is not far away and is one of the largest uh, gentlemen's clubs uh, in London. And uh, very, very prominent, well-known to be the, the sort of place that uh, Clifton might be a member of. So you could probably get lodging there pretty easily. Let's, yeah, let's say that's where he's he's staying. Just you know, for appearances' sake. Yeah. I mean, he can't be slumming <laughs> it. Absolutely. He's a member of the Carlisle family. You know, he has appearances to keep up. Pat will definitely be staying there, as it's undoubtedly much nicer than the seedy hostel that she is currently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same for Silvio. <clears throat> yeah, Simon will too, and actually, I think he's going to sort of looking over Katrina and uh, Silvio, especially as we head there. Uh, also, just to make sure we aren't being followed by that Turkish guy or anyone, um, mm -hmm. just because that sort of set off some interesting alarms in his head. Okay. And nobody else just, uh, sorry, nobody else noticed the Turkish guy either, right? That was that was solely Simon's thing? Yeah. Okay. Well, once I just we... want to make sure I'm yeah. Well, once we get to the uh, to the place, I'll I'll let uh, Silvio and Kat know, um, but uh, and sort of close lift until then. So you guys do have a couple of days to explore London, and there is actually an envelope of spending money on the uh, main table back at the house when you get there. Uh, not a ton of spending money, but there is about uh, 25 pounds, which is still a fair amount. Uh, so something that you can use for the next couple of days. Uh, does anybody have anything in London in particular that any of you want to do? So there is this contact that I made up, Cynthia Berwind. I don't want to mm -hmm. hold up the whole campaign though to do it. Do we? Just, I mean, okay. I don't know. I just say he looks her up and we do it off screen or whatever. I don't know. I that's you know. No, we we absolutely can do that. Uh, 
We don't have to do it off screen. It is something relevant to your character. So, uh, so, uh, let's see, uh, for Cynthia, uh, you do look her up and, uh, you know, it takes you a moment because you look her up under the name that you first knew her as, but now that she is married and has a different name, you're like, oh, and you do find her in one of the, uh, early directories. Uh, so, uh, London at the time did have directories that were like phone books, but just addresses because not everybody had phones and phone books really weren't a thing, but some of the businesses and higher class people could be found in certain directories, uh, called public directories. Uh, so you do go to one of the libraries and find her pretty easily. Doesn't really take any roles. Uh, she is actually, uh, so she is staying in, uh, it would be in the Chelsea area of London. Are you going to just drop in or send her a telegram or? What's the, uh, I mean, what's the. The proper weighted. I, I suppose that like a, a an announcement would be a, appropriate, right? And dropping in seems like a uncouth thing to do with a proper English lady now, right? That would be more like. I mean, he would know. I'm just saying, Clifton would know. You're thinking more Victorian era uh, in 1920s. It would be okay to drop in as long as she's not I'll... on her own. Okay, I'll drop in. Okay. You know, pleasantries uh, and such. Catching up. One of the, maybe, the servant. Oh. Yeah. I just maybe uh, cultivating a, a connection that might be useful later, I guess, is all this. Yeah. Uh, one of the servants lets you in, and uh, her husband is there. Uh, and, you know, kind of at least. Make sure that he's in the area while you're in the house, but you guys are able to catch up and chat a bit. Assuming nothing mythosy comes up, uh, we'll just, we can probably just skip ahead and say that that happened. Uh, no, nothing, nothing, you know, like that comes up. Uh, she is very interested that you got to attend the, uh, the lecture. Uh, the uh, the challenger lectures are always very kind of uh talked about in london high society so she finds that very uh very intriguing that you were able to uh be there not only that you were able to be there but you got an invite too well you know my dear i make friends everywhere i go <laughs> of course i would expect nothing less of you Anybody else looking yeah. to do anything? I think Simon would probably uh, schmooze around, um, probably find some place to gamble a little bit, um, mm. and also just sort of walk the town and get familiar with it. So what kind of gambling is Simon's vice of choice? Hmm. Probably cards. Actually, yes, yeah, definitely cards. Sorry. <laughs> okay. 
so yeah, there are plenty of uh, card establishments. Uh, for for this, I'm gonna have you roll luck first. Ooh. So you've got an extreme success for your luck roll. The cards are definitely in your favor. Uh, the one of the uh, up and coming card games of choice uh, in uh, London at this time is good old fashioned five card draw. Uh, it was not the most popular in England, but around this time it was starting to become popular and you're having a heck of a run. Uh, do me a favor and roll psychology to see how well you're able to, uh, you know, see through people's lies and bluffs. So a heart, hard, yeah. go ahead. Hard success, yeah, sorry. That's okay. Uh, yeah. Man, you are really on a roll tonight. Uh, you are seeing everybody's bluffs and you are actually making such a run of it that it is politely hinted at that maybe you should find another establishment to gamble at. Yeah, that sounds fine. And actually, uh, Simon, he's not like lording in it. He's actually, it seems like he's sort of surprised at how well he's doing. Um, and he like tips really, really heavily to the, to the dealer, to the serving people. And, uh, yeah, and he's just trying to make sure that no one has any hard feelings or whatever. And, uh, buys everyone drinks around the table. Uh, so actually he probably only comes away with, well, he'll still come away with a bit, uh, based on successes, but he's trying not to make any enemies either. So... <laughs> That is a tough one, uh, but you, you know, you, since you were gambling at establishments that aren't really, you know, the rough and tumble sort, you are at least able to walk away with all of your limbs intact and about an extra 15 pounds or so in your pocket, which nice. is not insignificant. That's, uh, you know, a few hundred bucks for the rest of you. Okay, anything else? Yes. Um, so, what everybody else sees is, at one point, probably the next day, maybe two days from now, um, Kat just kind of, like, takes a, like, a, like, an overnight bag sort of deal, and just heads off and says, I'll be back later. And I'm just going to message Josh what she goes and does. And unless someone, like, follows her or something, um, that'll be it. DM player conspiracy. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> He's being a little secretive. Sure. Um, I think for Silvio, he would just be trying to find um, 
some of the like working class pubs of the day where people might be discussing some of the radical ideas and uh, meeting up with his fellow radicals. And really his main goal, though, is trying to get a sense from them if they have heard of this society before, if it's like... Just because just he's skeptical of this whole thing, is he getting involved, wrapped into some, like, rich people nonsense? Or have they heard of the society? Are they on the up and up? That kind of thing. Just information gathering. <clears throat> Little from column A, column B. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, one thing that you find out about is there is actually plans coming up for the uh the seventh yeah the seventh uh there is actually going to be a uh worker strike uh that is going to be starting it's kind of on the down low at this point uh but uh it's going to start with a demonstration and uh the formal strike is assuming nothing happens after the demonstration uh going to be starting soon afterwards uh this is actually going to be uh organized by the national unemployed workers committee movement uh which at this time is starting to gain a little bit more political power in london Up to Sylvia not joining the rest of the campaign. He's just going to be doing this strike the whole time. <laughs> um, they're just going to brandy walls anarchists and, and, and violate your rights, and it's not going to come from anything. <laughs> you should know. That's, that's how it always works, my friend. Of course. This conversation, but yeah. Okay, so uh, Sylvia will note that down and be interested to... Uh check that out depending on what happens on the fourth okay got any heads back um later that night um quite a bit later that night um slightly inebriated <laughs> and absconds secretly to her room can i okay i'm sorry can i this is sort of a, a retroactive thing so maybe whatever we but okay the moment yesterday or whatever during the meeting when uh, during the terror reading and then there was a you've saved me so much uh, on my insurance with that Russell specific become my change in accent State Farm offers and maybe a change in demeanor is that something like that Clifton could roll on to perceive or something like that again this was like two days ago so I, I, I understand too late or whatever it's, it's okay if Josh wants you to roll, but I would say it's pretty self-evident. We'll say just considering, you know, time has passed that you kind of think on it later like, huh, that yeah. was that was kind of a sudden change. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. Okay. Um... Speepole in chat says, um, I've never been sober in London either. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a city student for sobriety, I would. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, I think this whole time you've noticed that Sylvia hasn't drank anything. Um, 
And I think the other thing during our time as a stay is he has his guitar case on him, which he kind of like sleeps with in the bed with him <laughs> very protectively. Like leg draped Does over it. Ever... Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Does he ever pull a guitar out of it and play it? What was that? Does he ever is... pull a guitar out of it and play said guitar? Uh, no, or... I wouldn't say at the house, no. You God, probably... It's got a 45 Thompson in it. So is Silvio the, the type of person that, you know, the girlfriend sleeps on the couch, the guitar sleeps in bed? <laughs> He's just very used to being on the road and like having things kind of protective uh nearby him and that's like the most prized thing. That makes sense. It makes sense. It's like having your dog sleep with you, except for it's a guitar. (laughs) (laughs) It's exactly the same. (laughs) Okay. Well, uh, for the most part, a couple of days spent in London are relaxing. Not super interesting, but, uh, you know, relaxing, which is the important part. And uh, on the... uh, Morning of the 4th, you guys are kind of just doing your normal thing and uh, going through the newspaper, looking at things. I would like all of you to roll spot hidden for me. See if I can finally succeed on a roll. (laughs) really hidden if it's, you know, published in a newspaper. I'm just saying. Ooh, Uh, success! Yes. I'm saying that because I failed miserably. <laughs> so, let's see. Okay. <laughs> God, what? Okay, no, Silvio's the one that got it. Well, all of you are at least able to uh, come away with a really interesting headline on the front of the Times is... Man dies three times in one night. Uh, let's see. Okay. So just shared the uh, the article with you guys. But Ian, uh, Silvio does come across a, another article that is on the third page of the Times that uh, something tells you might be kind of important. Uh, Let's see. Uh, One second here. What was that? No, I was just looking at the rolls. I wasn't sure if it was a hard success or lesser. Just a regular one. Yep, just a regular one. So, Ian, you should have another article in your journal. Okay. Professor's Home article. This this newspaper has no alliteration. I don't believe it. <laughs> Can't be real. I, I guess I wasn't I wasn't totally clear. Can we say that he's been stopping by every day in the last couple days around the same time? Sorry, Cliff. Yeah. That's what I assumed from what you said. Yeah, that was what I meant, but I guess I wasn't super clear on that, so um, yeah, so... editor, Jake, John and <laughs> <laughs> Bring me pictures of hey, man, uh, 
Um, he's typically played by um, by what's his name? Right. Yeah. Uh, um, the Spider-Man movies guy. Yeah. Can't think of his name. Okay, we all know. J.K. Simmons. DB something. DB something. Yeah, Simmons. J.K. Simmons. You're right. Not DB at all. J.K. Simmons. You are correct. Um, you see Sylvia reading the paper, and he uh, kind of does a double take and and uh, kind of shows the page he's looking at to all of you and says, "It looks like our mutual friend made the paper." Um, that is not oh, no. usually a good thing. The good. The the professor his his home apparently burned down. This is strange. Is he dead? Are we not in his home? His other home. His, right. I, guess, I guess his primary home. Yeah. He has multiple homes. So John is lucky for that because you know death by smoke so, inhalation. It says uh-huh. here that he's missing, and their the authorities are looking for him. Well, hopefully he still drops by. Does that yeah, mean sure authorities will be looking? Does that mean the authorities will be looking for him here? It's likely. Well, should we contact Silvio jumps out the window, just kidding. <laughs> Perhaps we should contact this um, detective. And she says that, and you hear her voice kind of like, good. Like she doesn't Why really. Why don't you let me handle that? Hey. <laughs> okay. In a very condescending, but again, charmingly condescending, but condescending way. He's just like, yeah, why don't you let me handle that, sweetheart? Uh, the rest of you, maybe take a look around for clues or something? I don't know. Oh, uh, yes. Why don't, can we, why can don't we you know all of the most difficult things? After all, I'm but a helpless woman. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but like, seriously. <laughs> I mean, okay, again, just to clarify... That's hey, not Brian's. Yeah. Uh, so, um, it's like, okay, subtext noted. <laughs> we should definitely go. Like, I guess more of a, a character note, or I mean, a player note than a character note. But like, we should turn this place upside down for clues. How, how do I possibly convey that in character? I guess because clearly he had okay. He, he was clearly distraught. There was some kind of situation that was causing him a lot of anxiety. Maxwell Burns was part of it or peripheral to it. And now someone burned his freaking house down. So clues it is, right? Did this man, Mr. Beddoes, come to visit the house at any point? This house? Uh, not while you guys were there. Okay. As soon as Silvio puts two and two together that the authorities might be coming, he kind of pops his head out the window and sees if he sees any obvious, uh, <laughs> any cop showing up. <laughs> uh, you do not, no. Is Beto's, is that a English name? It is. Okay. So he's likely a local... So, okay, so maybe I should, do I have to, okay, so 1923, uh, the normal mode of communication would be to 
travel physically to Scotland Yard and talk to Doc, uh, Detective Rigby? Is that... You might be able to get a message uh, by making a phone call, but uh, either a letter or traveling there would be the best bet. And how, where, let me look at the map here. I don't actually know where Scotland Yard is. So uh, Scotland Yard is not on this map, uh, okay. but it is, it okay. is... It would be... It's a few miles away. My knowledge of London is entirely based on the Mr. X board game. Uh, <laughs> uh, mine is Fair on uh, the Whitechapel Mysteries board game. So. Uh, same board game. Uh, I, yeah. I'm uh, Sherlock Holmes consulting detective uh, board game. <laughs> we all it's have different Sherlock. I didn't have anything from the maps. It's all based on the tube stations. Uh, so, would it be, of the three companions here, I don't think any of them would be appropriate to bring with me to Scotland Yard. I'm not going. Maybe. <laughs> so, Scotland yeah, Yard all... is, like, here-ish. Oh, nice. This? Okay. Right on the tent. Okay. Well, that, that's real close so... Awesome. I think, I'm going to. I think I would actually want to go as well. Here, it's this bridge. It's right by this bridge. Oh. Okay. Okay, so I'll check with the team and say, "All right, friends, I'm gonna go speak with Detective Rigby and see what I can find out." Anyone want to accompany me? Yeah, sure. Mister Carlyle, is that wise? We do not want them suspecting us, do they? Do we? I mean, oh, they won't be suspecting me. Uh, hmm. Yeah. I suppose. Well, Perhaps I can not. keep your names out of it, of course. No. Um, <laughs> I will be sensitive to your uh, place in society, of course. <laughs> or something equally <laughs> like that. Um, but, <laughs> again, in a very charming way. Uh, um, I mean, we're Americans. We share a special relation. That's 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 newer, I guess. It's probably not 1923, but um, well, you know, I mean, we we just we just won a great war together. Like, we should be jovial, right? I'll make sure to keep your name out of any. I will. I, I don't plan on giving him any actual information. I just want to know what he knows, and I would like to um, keep my name off the list of suspicious characters that may arise in this investigation. I'm sure they'll give. No worries, man, I'm sure they'll give a man like you the benefit of the doubt. Of course they will. Of course they, they always will. do. While you're doing that. <laughs> I will take a look around. Okay. Uh, so we... Oh. Uh, just going to say, Simon is probably going to go with Clifton. Um, he's... I think he's got another question to ask um, about this other newspaper article. So. Okay. The first uh, one? Yeah. So, uh, remind we me. will... Simon. 
Just was Simon part of the Janus Society, or was he? I can't. I can't remember. Uh, uh, yes. Simon's never really said. But... Oh. Yeah. He certainly okay. looked at home. But, so. <laughs> well, let's say we, as we're as we're traveling to the thing, we get our story straight, and one of those is, "Why are you in London?" The question is, member of Janus or just friend of Professor Smith. Uh, what do you tell me? What do I tell you? Yeah. I'm, first of all, I'm trying to think of what I would answer and also what is the truth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he offered us a job, so I am concerned about him and I would consider him a friend. Do we want to talk about, do we really want to tell the detective about the job he offered that he was clearly paranoid about and highly anxious oh, and no. there was at least one other person who he didn't want to hear about? No. Okay, good. Just making sure. But he's a friend. Mm -hmm. You have known him for how long? Uh, officially, what, two days now? <laughs> Oh boy. Un unofficially? What, what shall we say? You make friends quite quickly. You're <laughs> American. How long have you been in London? Ooh, I probably would have been in London about two, three weeks by now. Maybe a month. So let's say you met him before three days ago, four days ago. Oh, yeah, sure. I met him uh, when I arrived. He must have a great many friends if anyone you've known for 48 hours becomes one. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll tell you what, Simon. I'm going to let you do the talking for yourself. And I will say I only met you at the gala on the first. Fair enough? Well, to be honest, this burning down of the house is its a little concerning to me, but well, I, yes, it's concerning to me as well. Arson is always a matter of concern. The, the real reason I, I do want to know about this weird article here, uh, the, the three guys that died, because it's possible that it does say that they were Turkish nationals, and there was a Turkish guy checking us out. Um, that concerns what? me as well. So, Oh, yeah, you weren't here when there we got back. Uh, yes, there was a, a Turkish guy at the, uh, at the lecture hall, uh, that was watching us rather closely, um, after our discussion with, uh, Mr. Smith. So, these, uh, articles may be linked, so, but maybe not. I mean, yes. there, there's a lot of people visiting London, so could easily be something else, but... Well, with a name like Mahmet Makriat times three, all murder victims in one night, I share your suspicion. <laughs> all right. So... Well, I think in general we're going to be on our own with these uh, conversations, but just... You know, keep our friends out of it and uh, try and keep your details uh, vague. 
Sure. Easy to do. Okay. Well, you guys do make it to uh, Scotland Yard, since it's actually not as far away as I thought. Uh, <laughs> it's just a quick walk. And uh, when you get to the, the front, there is essentially kind of a receptionist type person, a, a greeter, uh, that uh, he looks like. He's probably, you know, the overworked, underpaid, and really, really annoyed that he has to be the one here doing the bookings and answering questions. And looks up and sees two very well-dressed and clearly aristocratic men kind of there. I am and... probably wearing my bowler hat just to keep my my flame red hair under, under wraps <laughs> for right now. <laughs> okay. Very identifiable. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the this officer immediately kind of straightens his uniform. Uh, uh, good, good afternoon. Uh, what can I do for you? Well, I guess good morning. Uh, what can I do for you, sirs? He Hello, seems sir. Very flustered. I am yes, I am Clifton Carlyle the Third. I'm here to speak with a Sergeant Detective Rigby about uh, recent disappearance. Oh, uh, it, is this about the Professor Smith case then? It is. Uh, yes, uh, let, let me fetch him. And he just kind of scampers off and uh, comes back after like just maybe two minutes uh yes if you could follow me and he kind of gestures and uh he leads you down a hallway to one of the front offices uh and it is clear from the way the building is set up that there aren't many offices so the person that you are about to speak with uh Probably well respected within the uh, the police. I actually he, probably wouldn't follow. I think I'll let uh, Clifton do this, um, and then I'm just gonna see what I can do about this other one. Okay. Oh, so you're staying out by reception? Yeah, Justin. I'll, I'll talk to a different police guy, uh, get a police sketch of uh, okay. what I think, and uh, see if it's the same guy. Okay. Oh, crap, I gotta hand it myself. All right. <clears throat> well, Clifton is uh, led into the office. And there is a, a, a man in a vest. Uh, suit jacket is kind of draped over the, the back of the, the chair he's in. And a whole lot of papers strewn across his desk. And he looks up and he looks tired. He looks like he probably hasn't slept in a couple of days. Uh, I was told that you're here to uh, uh, talk about Professor Smith. I am. No, I'm sorry. Can we? I need a, a table talk moment here, Josh. Yeah. So how do I? I want to. I want to. I want to charm this dude right out the way. Before anything, I want to. I want to be disarmingly charming. Now. 
uh, I don't know how that works mechanically. I know, like, you know, you gotta, uh, like, I don't know, I don't know how to do that exactly with my role-playing skills, so to speak. But I want to, like, definitely put him at ease and make him think, just by charisma, that I couldn't possibly be an actual suspect, right? I mean, I'm a well-to-do, you know, East Coast wasp. I mean, I'm Anglo-Saxon, all this stuff, you know? Like, I mean, just, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. you know what Um, I'm saying? But, like, I don't know how to... So in Call of Cthulhu, it's going to be an opposed check. Uh, you will want to uh, obviously role play as best you can, but roll sure. charm, and he has a roll on his side, and you want to roll better. Okay. Oh, we'll say it's a pleasure to meet you, detective. I'm sorry. Should it be sergeant or detective? What's the right way to address you? Uh, well, it... <laughs> In my case, right now, Detective Sergeant. Well, that Detective is, Sergeant. I am that Clifton, is my rank. I am Clifton Carlisle III. I have an acquaintance with the uh, illustrious Professor Smith. Mm-hmm. And I read in an article this morning that he was missing and that there was a very troubling account of an arson. And I, 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 I felt immediately that I should come to the authorities and uh, share what I knew. Is that good? Can I, can I roll that then? Yep. God, come on! Ah, all right. So that didn't work. Let's see what he rolls. Whatever rolling the opposite of hot <laughs> is, that's what I've been doing all day. Uh, cold, you, cold, you... cold. You've made a couple of rolls, but uh, if it makes you feel any better, he fumbled his roll as well. So you fumble, but he rolled a fumble too. (laughs) He is clearly very tired, but uh, just you'll have to excuse my brusqueness, but spit it out. What do you know? Of course. Uh, well, I met as a, uh, sorry, and again, side note, Janus Society is not secret at all, right? Like, it's a well-known, like... New. There's no reason to hide that. Okay, so, well, I am in town for the annual Janus Society gala, gala, and, uh, he gave quite the, uh, interesting speech about hauntings a few days ago. Hmm. Uh, and he spoke with me briefly at the table that I was with, with a number of new acquaintances, I don't remember their names... But I will tell you that uh, he seemed uh, in good spirits. He was very jovial. And he uh, he might have imbibed a little too much of the gala, but again, who, I mean, who is innocent of that, right? Yeah. Am I right? <laughs> Sorry. He did invite me uh, to stop by his... Uh... Oh, shit. I already started the sentence, so I can't... He did invite me to uh, stop by his secondary home in uh, in uh, what blooming something bloom Bloomsbury, and Bloomsbury. Uh, though I have not seen him there, 
I'm afraid that's all the information hmm. I have on hand. Uh, of course, I'd be uh, delighted to ask questions, and I very deeply uh, hope that he is found unharmed because he is a leader in the realm of academia and a good friend of the family. Well, myself, at least. But you haven't seen him in the last day. No, I unfortunately have not seen him since the first. Is there anyone else who has seen him since then? Uh, he and his manservant have both been missing. Oh, my. Uh, oh. Well, if you are staying at a secondary home, we are actually going to be sending men over there uh, later this evening to look into it. Uh, but if we need to reach you, we will see you there. Of course, I'm also staying at, I'm actually staying at the Oriental Club. I just ah. have been stopping by on a daily basis uh, to his home to see if he was around because I would have loved to uh, pick his brain, so to speak, about the subject of his lecture on the first. Uh, I have to ask, uh, Mr. Beddoes, uh, has he turned up at all? Does he have any history of violent or um, malcontent acts? I know so, the, com the communists have been rather active in this area recently, and I, I can't help but wonder. Oh, no. Sinister machinations. The communists have been a red herring. Uh, so I am going to need you to roll for that one. Uh, this is going to be... <laughs> uh, this is going to be a persuade roll. Oh, good. I'm good at that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're good at charm, go. too, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm good at a few things that have failed all night. Um, okay, wait, where is... There, there we go. Okay, persuade. <laughs> oh, my God. Is it... I didn't... I didn't failure. failure face here. You rolled a 91. Failure, really bad. Yeah. That's pretty Jesus! <laughs> what is going on today? How often? Does Why luck, can't I bring um, up the the thing? How do you, do you get luck back? How does luck replenish? Uh, so on, luck will replenish at the start of every session. Okay, so uh, you spend a ridiculous amount of luck. You will get on average uh, around ten to fifteen points of luck back okay. per session. So feel yeah. free to spend it if you want. And I can't. I mean, I would need to spend. 31 points to make it uh, non-failure? Yeah. Yep. Do you feel like this is an important enough check to, to spend that? Let me look at my... <laughs> a lot I of have luck. 72 points of... That's a lot of luck. That's half my luck. Most of, yeah, yeah. I'm it's like gonna say... I mean, I do have a... One of my traits is that I regain luck at a higher rate. Mm -hmm. Oh, how much higher? At the same time, though, I kind of feel like it... I don't remember. It's lucky. I don't remember what the actual thing is. I didn't write it down on my character sheet. Um, 
Uh, let this one ride. Let's see how this goes. I failed my okay. save. <laughs> uh, he like you are being persuasive and charming, but he's just so frustrated that it like right. he just don't. yeah <laughs> yeah just like I got no deal with this. I got no time for this American <laughs> mofo who's had a silver spoon in his mouth since he came out the womb. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and by the way, uh, Lucky regains an additional 1d10 luck points uh, at the beginning of each session. Okay. So. You gain back it's a lot so of luck. I failed it so badly, though. Like I feel like it's just... <laughs> I, I kind of got to let the face... Hand me what they're gonna hand me. Uh, so yeah, he uh, he's just kind of tired and annoyed, and uh, that information is being looked into. Of course. I don't even remember what I asked about. Was it? It was. It was Mr. Beddoes. Was that what I was asking yeah. about? That's what I was. Okay, sorry. <laughs> it's just we had this long conversation about. Well, anyways, okay. All right. Well, of course, if uh, there is anything else that I can help with, uh, you know uh, how to find me at the Oriental Club. Um, I think I'm going to go look up some old friends. It was a pleasure to make your acquaintance, sir. Let us know if and anything else comes up. <laughs> of course. And then Cliff is going to go straight back to the, uh, the residence and um, warn cool. them that... We'll get to that in a moment, because there's other stuff going on. Uh, so, sure, Simon, sure. you're you're at the front desk. What are you doing? Uh, so, basically, I think I would ask to see um, someone about this article. I'll even pull it out and um, point at it and say, I've, I've seen a suspicious-looking person around, and I'm wondering if this... Uh, if it might be the same person. So the front desk officer, I mean, very clearly rolls his eyes at this. Yeah, yeah, I, I understand. This is really far-fetched. But, it's, uh, it's yellow rag muck. It, ignore it. it oh. Currently, we believe that it's a, a simple issue of some rogue that is just has other people doing business under his name and the three of them died and it i wouldn't worry about it hmm. okay um yeah you, you wouldn't want a description of this guy i could probably uh get a good sketch of him for you uh police sketches weren't done at this time oh boo I do not have an art skill, so I can't help you there. <laughs> uh, if you if you give me the description, I can pass it on to the detective in charge, and he can get back to you if he has any questions. All right. Um, let's see. I'm wondering if I can maybe um, trick him into saying anything interesting. Uh... Uh, if you would like to try, uh, I can have you roll... Persuade if you're going to be a little more open about it, 
or if you're going to try to get him to reveal something without realizing it, uh, it would be psychology. So how about them criminals? I'll go with I'll go with persuade to start off with. Well, I'll go with persuade. Um, yeah. Nope. <laughs> I'm not spending forty five points. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, no, he he's he's very dismissive, but not in like a cruel way. Just a no. This is the the newspaper trying to sell extra issues this is nothing to be concerned about so that's about all you can get out of him okay just out of curiosity where were the bodies found oh and he kind of just flips through some of his paperwork uh, Detective Inspector Fleming uh, had reported that they were found in a uh, hotel they're all in the same hotel? Yes. Oh. It's interesting. Cheap part of town. You know you know the crowd. Uh, maybe, but it was just morbid curiosity. Thank you for your time. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh Katarina is looking through the the house. Uh, Sil- Silvio, are you joining her or? Silvio is currently packing up his stuff, and <laughs> he's uh, he's cat's still in the house, so he's saying, "I, I'm going to leave now. It's better if I, I'm not here." But Wait, you're I'm, leaving. I'm not leaving the whole city, but I'm leaving this house. I'll be around. Well, before you do, could you help me with something? What is it? Um, possibly breaking and entering. I'm not quite sure yet. <laughs> um, Sylvia looks taken aback as if he didn't expect that from her. Okay. Breaking and entering where? I assume okay. must have an office of some kind. Maybe there's information there that could be of relevance. <clears throat> the office. Sorry, this is clarifying out of character. The office where? She was saying like there must be an office somewhere in the oh. house. Yeah. I can I can help you look before I go. <clears throat> so I will help look if there's some kind of office in here. Thank you. After all, I'm but a helpless woman, and she rolls her eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Very clearly making fun of Mr. Carlisle. <laughs> I see a theme forming. <laughs> um, I'm sure so there you... are some who would think so. <clears throat> we search the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, uh, it's not anything that you really would have noticed at first, but one of the rooms does appear to be used as kind of a office away from home sort of thing. And uh, there is a roll top desk in it that's kind of shoved off into one corner, but it is locked. Um, I don't suppose you have... What'd you say? Uh, one of you two could pick locks, right? Between the two of you? No? <laughs> yes, yeah, so I just kind of... I turn to Sylvia and I say, 
Um, Mr. De Leon, I don't suppose you have any talents that um, might come in handy at this sort of juncture? Mm -hmm. Consulting my characters. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's a big no. Um, I look around if there's anything heavy that I can use to bludgeon the drawer open. Well, there is. Uh, you look at that, maybe there's a key. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> there's a bronze bust on the mantle that you can just. I'm like in the process of grabbing it when she stops me. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, uh, roll a spot hidden to look around and see if you can find a key. Cool, I failed miserably. Oh, um, I think when she stops me, I'll help look. Um, ooh, 22. There you go. Nice. <clears throat> so, in the moment of sheer irony, when you have the bronze <laughs> bust picked up, on the underside, there is a little kind of recess, and there is a key in there for the roll top desk. That's awesome. And it's only it's when you like, go to set it like, down. Wait, wait! Leon, <laughs> actually a genius. I don't know about that, but it looks like something lucky happened today, and I'll pull out the key and open it up uh so yeah you you roll open and inside there are some scattered academic papers uh some notes that are clearly in preparation for the lecture that he gave and on top of everything there is scrawled on a piece of uh parchment uh, kind of nice parchment, uh, but parchment nonetheless. Uh, scrawled on there uh, a part of a word. It's clear that he started writing something and then stopped partway through and tried to scratch it out, but you can clearly at least make out the first part of it, uh, which is... One moment here... so you're not sure how much of the word but uh, you find Sedefka is that any sort of language that I've ever seen uh, it is not no is it in it's in English characters yes it is, it is using uh, Latin letters. Can we, Can you spell it? <laughs> it's, uh, it's in. It's in the roll twenty chat. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I just I'm taking taking notes here. So. Uh, do I recognize it from my um, <clears throat> studies? Shall we say? Uh, you do not know. Okay. Well, that's unhelpful. Oh. About the time that you discover that, uh, there is a knock at the door. So I think um, Katarina uh, panics and like immediately stuffs everything back in the drawer and closes it, and then like looks at Silvio pleadingly. Um, 
Silvio grabs, picks up the bust again. <laughs> okay. And, and starts moving towards the front door. <clears throat> okay. Uh, 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 I'll check. Okay. Let's not resort to... to leave I won't, so I won't bludgeon anyone who doesn't deserve it. I believe you, surprisingly. And I go to open the door. Uh, so so you, get, you get to the door, and you have noticed that in the mail slot, there was something dropped through. And uh, there is a small envelope that was dropped okay. through the mail slot. Is there a peephole? Uh, there is. I peep. Uh, you kind of slide it aside, and you don't see anybody on the front stoop. Curious. And I'll roll, take the envelope. Roll for a peep. <laughs> yeah, make a peep check. <laughs> hey. Roll for peep. <laughs> So you find this note in the envelope. And on the back of it is written uh, an address on the southeast side of London. I pass the note over to Sylvia. Look it over. You know, because of your correspondences with him, this is definitely Professor Smith's handwriting. Okay. You have seen his handwriting enough. What was that? Which region of London? Uh, Southeast. East London, you said? At about this time, uh, Simon and uh, Clifton would be coming back from their trip to the... the uh, the police let's see yeah yeah I was trying to think if it you know there's something else but no uh, about this time you'd be coming back um, we weren't a cop in the street by Shogoth <laughs> uh, <laughs> not yet so yeah like, uh, you know wave them in <laughs> Close the front door behind them and say, what did you find? Mm. She's tapping. I was her unable to glean. I was unable to glean much information from, from uh, Detective Sergeant, Sergeant Detective Rigby. Uh, how That's about an, you? Yeah, look, at this, look at this. And she just completely interrupts you and grabs the note and passes it to you. This is interesting. Do I also recognize uh, Professor Smith's handwriting? Uh, you or haven't had enough correspondences to know for certain, no. Can we say in excited exuberance that she says, that's Professor Smith's handwriting, like, or something like that? <laughs> no. Silvio. Silvio's the one who has had correspondence, oh, okay. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I th I think I would as as people are kind of discussing the notes and being excited. I think I would remember something the professor said and kind of give them the the silence motion and like point at like the walls of ears type 
<laughs> type motion. Yes. Um, trying to indicate to everyone that someone might be listening in. <clears throat> and I'll just point at the back. Perhaps. Yeah. Uh, Simon's going to go get the his authorities will be The authorities will be calling on this location soon, and considering none of us here have any more information... To share with them, it might Already, be like, wise to <laughs> vacate the Yeah, premise. I've grabbed my guitar case and I'm uh, <laughs> headed for the door. Sylvia's like, I'm already packed, bitch. I'm ready. <laughs> I, I think as Sylvia walks past my room, he'll, he'll notice that it's like basically spotless already and there's just like my black satchel by the door. <laughs> um, I think uh, Katarina's been like making herself at home and takes a few minutes to like pack all of her stuff up. Uh, Clifton's going to step outside okay. to head off any um, any authorities that might just pop up right as everyone's trying to bail. Because he can probably mm -hmm. hopefully handle them, although all-wise, whatever. <laughs> so you got the impression talking to him that uh, it was probably going to be a couple hours before anybody called on the location. But uh, yeah, it's one of those where you definitely. He's like watching from a window to make sure if somebody shows up, he'll pop out. But mm -hmm. like. He's got nothing yep. here, so like he, he's more fluid as far as. Yeah, OK. Oh, yeah. Should we go as a group or should we split up? Well, shit, we don't even know where we're going. Um, uh, address we, have address address we're going. we have an address on the back. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Forgot about that. Okay. Uh, let's. Um... Where away is it? So it Probably is ever. right there in oh. Southwark. It's a bit far. All right. Can you, can you click again? I wasn't on the uh, thingy. It's like okay, so, oh, okay. 3.7 so, miles. <clears throat> you'd probably, you know, uh, you could make the walk, but uh, it might be worth getting like a taxi or, uh, you know, something like that. Let's take a taxi to the London Bridge Station. That seems rather inconspicuous and normal, and then we'll walk to the address from there. Sure. In fact, let's play up the touristy part of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, at least I will. Let's say Clifton will specifically <laughs> to the taxi driver or whatever. Yeah, so even though he's been alone in like, and he's gonna act like a totally clueless <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and as we head out, I'll definitely try to see if anyone is following us, watching us. I would like you to roll spot hidden. Oh boy. Um, one, one, one thing quick. I, I think what I'm going to do is actually sort of put together a quick disguise and follow everyone from a distance um, just to also keep an eye out and see if anything interesting would happen there. Um, okay. it, honestly, it would probably be best if we travel separately. Is that... Probably, yeah, if we want to throw someone off. <clears throat> I don't know how safe I feel um, being on my own. Well, it seems like 
Cat and Silvio seem to. I mean, you guys are at least from appearances' sake from a similar social cast. I don't mean to be. I mean, you know what I mean. Yeah, like, next I'm, I'm trying cat. to be like. I'm you know saying, saying like, like, however, people. They're gonna fit together versus Mr. Frickin' Money, you know, is gonna look weird traveling with them. I'm just saying, like, it's it's like a from an espionage tradecraft standpoint, it would make sense if we traveled separately, but you two I feel like could work together. You can travel. Am I wrong? Place. Good sir, in truth, you are a master of many things. <laughs> espionage included. Right, so I will make uh, I will make a big show of going to London Bridge, and hopefully, okay. if anyone's on our, and uh, uh, they will be following me. Simon, can you roll disguise for yours? Yeah, sure. And I rolled a failure on my spot hidden. Yes. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> So, Simon, you got a success on your disguise. You are able to kind of put together enough of a differing outfit that you don't really look, at least at first glance, like yourself. And that, mixed with a hat, you're you're reasonably confident that unless somebody really is looking at you, they're not going to recognize you. Cool. Incognito. Yep. And then, yeah, I, I think I would... Trail if uh, Silvio and Kat are going in a group. I think I might trail them just to keep an eye out on them. Okay. And I also keep an eye out for potential tales and such. I gotta. I mean, clearly someone's something's going on. There's a conspiracy afoot, so to speak. Roll spot hidden. I think that is a, that is a that phrase you're going to hear quite often from me. I think I'll also yeah. make that same roll, although okay. I'm not I super... put 40 points in there. I, I definitely like to use it because <laughs> <laughs> information is yeah. power. Uh, okay, where did I... I fail that. Again? How does this keep... Ha well, I mean, I mean... That's Statistics. a bad failure, though. That's like a major <laughs> failure. Yeah. You know what? Okay. Actually, I will spend... Um, it's only, what, 16 luck for me to succeed? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll spend that. Okay. Uh, so, Simon, uh, you, are, uh, you are definitely able to notice the, the fact that there is a group of people that briefly seem to be kind of following along and then suddenly for you know no apparent reason they just kind of take a side street and go off on their own way but they were following along for far too much of the the walk to really be coincidence uh cat you notice the same thing and you notice simon behind you and <laughs> He's not really looking like himself either. I'm just like Simon. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but one thing that I will kind of make note of for you 
is uh, because you have a different vantage point from Simon on this is when you do notice that the group kind of takes their turn off of a a different path uh, they they kind of confer with each other for a little bit before they take the turn off they kind of stop talk with each other and then go off on the different path but it it feels too much like they were following you is the path that they're taking along the same route? Like, is it a shortcut, or is it just, like, completely off in another nope. direction? Okay. Uh, it would be going north, in fact. Um, I'll lean into Silvio and just be like, I think we were followed. But they seem to have left. Surprising. Maybe we should... make our destination a few stops past where we need to go and backtrack from there. I agree. Take a circuitous route. Mm -hmm. Okay. We will do that. Yep. So, yeah, you guys knowing this, take a little bit of a roundabout path and go to the bridge station, then go to, you know, Rotherhithe and kind of work your way around, probably taking a good extra, you know, 20 minutes. But you feel after that, that if anybody was following you, you definitely lost them because you just kind of wandered around for a bit. But uh, whoever it was that was following only seemed to be following the two of you. Nobody else spotted anybody else following you know, any other group here. By the time you guys do make it to the address, uh, the address in Southwark, uh, it is a kind of grimy little building uh, on a undistinguished street in the middle of just kind of a grungy little rundown residential area. Well, this is different. Sorry, are, are, these, are just these two there, or am I... Can I... I wanted to make a stealth roll, I guess. I wanted to be paranoid about it and try and get off the taxi and... Now, granted, I'm not dressed particularly well for stealth, probably. But, like, I, I wanted to, like, in case, you know, any... Yeah. In this neighborhood, with the way you're dressed, you are going to get a penalty die. But you can. That makes sense. Okay. Uh, yeah, let's go. Okay. I, I would expect Simon would also be stealthy approaching. Okay. You will not get the penalty die uh, for your roll. How does this keep happening? <laughs> So, so walk into the dice. Then you're on 87. fire. How many extreme successes? Is Jesus. <laughs> I'm a gambler, right? You are one with the shadows. <laughs> I got a really bad failure. I mean, I, there's not apparently a worse degree of that besides a critical, but it's pretty bad. I was going to say, it's not a fumble, but... Yeah, that's uh, that's the saving grace, right? That's the... 
but you know, he's Simon, the other hand, <laughs> Simon, on the other hand, seems to make shadows around him. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you guys are you know maybe not huddled as a group, but you are all at this house uh, on uh, just a out of the way Southwark Street. Um, does it look lived in or more abandoned or? Oh, it is definitely lived in, like a little too lived in. Uh, how does the second floor look? Is there a second floor? Mm-hmm. Uh, there are actually three floors to it. Uh, it, at least judging from outside appearance, your best guess is this is a cheap boarding house. Any bars on the window or anything weird? Nope. Is there just the front entrance, or does it look like there's a side door or something? Uh, there actually isn't a traditional front entrance on it. There is only a side entrance. Okay. Uh, in this is neighborhood, it appears... Nope. Uh, it appears that the, the street was kind of... Uh, set up to be more of a pathway and the homes, their entrances are away from the street. Mm -hmm. Most of the homes in this neighborhood seem to be that way. So it's typical for the neighborhood. It's not bizarre. Mm -hmm. So do we, do we uh, thematically, we arrive at roughly the same time. Is that the idea? Roughly, yeah. Like the group, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he says, Cl Cliff says something jovial and, uh, kind of saunters off and to be like, let's take a look, shall we? Yeah, let's get off the street before we're spotted. Okay. Oh, uh, I, mean yeah, it. I was going to say we can't hear you. <laughs> she just says like, yeah. What are we waiting for? Trying to sound brave, but clearly her voice is relaying <laughs> her bravery. Simon Wavering tried the door. Yeah. Uh, so there is a uh, essentially a doorbell uh, at the door. So pull a cord and a bell, actual bell, would ring inside. Hmm. I think I'm just going to the handle. Okay. Uh, it is locked. I look at my companions. Uh, can I and then I suggest sort of drop down towards the locks for a second. Pull out some wires and give it a go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Cliff was going to suggest that Simon goes to be a lookout until he pulled out his tools and he just said, you're lying. I, and steps Kat back and into Sylvia and says, where was he earlier? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. 
after like only about 30 seconds, uh, there's a popping noise and the door just kind of creaks open. All right, I hop on in and uh, usher everyone Follow else in. Yep. And uh, once people are in, we yeah. will uh, lock the door again. Can, can I look around mm-hmm. to make sure no one sees anything, or is that too much of a... I want to do that, because I'm paranoid now. There is... Uh, as far as you can tell, there is nobody on the street. Okay. Uh, I, I, you didn't need to make a roll for that. It, it, it It's yeah, rather yeah, obvious. Already... Okay. Yep. So we secret into the tenement building that, that this is. Or maybe slightly nicer than a building. And as you guys enter in, uh, the basically it's a stairwell. Uh, the the entrance way is a stairwell, and you see there is a door, you know, for whatever the first floor uh, boarding room is. And there's probably, you know, presumably ones on the second and third floors. And did his note say anything about a specific? It just gave an address, right? Yep. Do I hear anything in the house? Uh, roll listen. Oh my god, Justin. <laughs> I <laughs> You're. <laughs> You're getting all of your good rolls out in the first session. The rest of the campaign's gonna be crap. Well, well, did you? Watch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when we were doing character building, and I was just testing macros and whatnot. That's when I was like rolling the one. I'm like, oh man, I just rolled my only one I'll ever roll. But it's good to see that uh, it hasn't fully r- r- rubbed off yet. <laughs> yet. Don't yet. keep talking about that. And you're testing the face. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, you. You don't hear anything on this floor. You do hear some rustling noises from upstairs. Judging from the volume and your your extreme success, uh, you're guessing probably the third floor. All right. I'll hold up three fingers and uh, point up in my ear. Okay. Stealth rolls. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm going to be stealthy. You guys yeah, do what I'm you want. I'm trying to move up the I would the like to be very stealthy. Quietly. Not creak the stairs. Okay. Can I, can I a roll? Yep. Stealth from all of you who are trying to be stealthy. Here's where I roll that 100. That's a big fail there. <clears throat> I'll try to be stealthy, but it's not. Oh. Is this even happening? <laughs> Just in stealthy success. spectacular fail. Like, I'm... I'm not getting like major fumbles, but like it's like, oh, you wanted a 40? It's 80. Like that's how, uh, whatever. So <laughs> Clifton breaks something loudly while he's walking on Simon's it. quiet you know, and it's just something. like pounding elephants, everyone behind him. <laughs> it's not a fumble. creaky house. Uh, yeah. Oh. It. It becomes rather clear to you guys that the 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 stairs are creaky enough that you are having a hard time. It is not impossible to be 
quiet, but uh, yeah, it's it's rather obvious. And by the time you get to the uh, third floor landing, uh, a figure comes out from uh, around the corner, and you get to meet uh, James Beddoes. And I am going to change maps for you guys. Hey. So, James Beddoes is essentially your stereotypical English butler. Uh, he is, despite the griminess and out-of-the-way location, he is still wearing a tux, and uh, he looks very uh, formal in how he carries himself. Both of his hands are bandaged, though. And he looks very surprised to see you. What was that? Like he can still use his fingers bandaged or like they're totally like completely wrapped where he can't even do anything with his hands. I assume that they've been burned. Uh, they are pretty thoroughly bandaged. He might be able to grab things, but not like fine motor control at all. Do we actually know that this is Mr. Beddoes or are you just assuming based on his appearance? That is your best guess based off of appearance. However, uh, as soon as he sees you, he kind of has a brief start, grabs at his chest. And, oh. So he failed his oh. listen roll, is what you're saying. <laughs> yes, yes, he did. You would Mr. be. Mr. Meadows, I. Uh, yes. You scared me. I, I was expecting the bell. Well, uh, given the current circumstances, we felt the bell might be inappropriate, so to speak. Of course. Uh, if you could come with me, uh, Professor Smith, he is not in good shape and would like to talk with you. But alive, that's good news. Uh, alive, but not exactly well. Uh Come with me, and he starts leading you up into this room. Okay, we'll follow Dad along. Is like <clears throat> tapping her foot nervously, just fidgeting. So, Professor Smith is currently laying in bed. And all the blinds are drawn, so it is uh, pretty dark in here. Uh, but you can see him well enough to know that it is definitely Professor Smith. But uh, he is very badly burned. Uh, nearly half of his face is just horribly burned. And the... You know, there are attempts at bandaging parts of it, but there's too much of his face to fully, you know, bandage. And uh, most of the left side of his body is burnt, and his right hand is very badly burnt. Uh, it is completely bandaged up, but it, with the bandages, it's obvious that most of the flesh of his right hand was burned off. Jesus. He is a mess. 
Mr. Beddoes, how is he not in a hospital? I... I have told him several times that that is the best option. And at that point, Professor Smith interrupts. <clears throat> I told him not to. I'm... There are people after me, and they would look in the hospitals first. Can I step closer and see, like, from breathing and all that, whether he's, like, about to um, expire? Or <laughs> just, get a, just get a general, like, first aid type check on him? Yes, absolutely you can. Uh, in fact, I would go ahead and roll first aid to check. Can I assist him? Uh, yes. Uh, so uh, both of you can roll, and both of you would get a bonus die on this. Cool. Yeah, bonus die. Jesus. <laughs> well, Jesus. Oh same. <laughs> um, best you can tell is uh, he is not currently dying. You make no promises about five minutes from now. Sure. Yeah. Okay. In this moment, uh, can I just... Okay, so we'll say... Uh, sorry, in character. Professor, there seems to be a great deal of information you could impart upon us, but what is it you needed us to do? Beddoes will provide you some of the details, but I need you to take a trip. I was intending to go with you, but... As you can tell, I am in no shape to do so. There is an artifact that there is a group after. I don't know why they are after it, but I know they have ill intent with it. Uh, the the set of car simulacrum. It's a statue, a, a large one. And I have a feeling they're after it because, <clears throat> because the rumors that it possesses great magical power. I believe no such thing, but belief of the zealots are strong. <clears throat> but they know that I had some leads on it. And I believe that their attack on me last night was an attempt to attempt to get at my my notes. Who is this group you have after you? Who are they? They're they're Turkish madmen. I don't know their name. They are some sort of organization. The Turkish government, I believe, tried to wipe them out before and were unsuccessful. They... I don't know too many details, but I have been... I have had men from their, <clears throat> from their group try to contact me before and get information knowing that I was looking into this. So I'll, I'll describe the Turkish man I saw. Um, 
just to see if there's any recognition there. Oh, uh, Red Fez? Mm-hmm. It is quite possible. I have seen more Turkish men joining the the society than was previous. So I I hate to make assumptions, but I kind of have no other choice in in this situation. Have you seen this article about the three Turkish men killed last night? I I haven't. So I'll show him the article. Uh, or, or if he can't read it, maybe I'll just give it to Evans. He, he seems to squint a lot because right now one of his eyes doesn't seem to be working right, but he he holds it up and mm, it it could be connected. Uh, keep an eye out for this man, this uh, uh, Macriot. He might be con- connected to them. Okay. I'm so, intrigued. Cat, uh, who has been um, facing away and fidgeting with her hands for most of the conversation, um, still facing away, just chimes in and says, so, you're a man of science, but suspend your disbelief for a moment and assume that what these men believe is true. What would this device do? The, the lore surround, <clears throat> surrounding it indicates there might be a way to use it to grant immortality and powers over the flesh. There have been a great many relics and places throughout time um, that supposedly grant such power. None have been true. Why this one? I don't know. This is not the first artifact of great rumored power I have looked into, but this is the first time that I have been that I have been targeted. And where is this artifact? Where were you sending us? It appears to be in pieces. I I know for certain one of the pieces was last seen in France, outside of Paris. So it is the, to be a chase then. I had arranged for a trip along the Orient Express since it appears that Constantinople would be where we would need to drop off the simulacrum with an acquaintance to have it destroyed or to have it kept safe or whatever needs to be done. Professor Smith, where are your notes? They were destroyed in the fire. The the Turkish madmen tried to get them and 
during the chaos, I was able to toss my notebook into the fire so they didn't get their hands on it. But Beto's has has some of my other lesser notes, some of the, the more important details for you. I can't <clears throat> I can't talk long. I I am too too hurt and too exhausted. I understand. You need to get to a hospital, sir. Even if it's one far away from here. Maybe that is best. I mean, do you know any doctors that could keep this on the down low? Or anyone that knows uh, first aid? Uh, they don't really have veterinarians back then, did they? I know they probably not had really no animal handlers of some sort. Certainly, an academic in your some kind have training. I might. I might have some people that I can see. Beto's has been able to patch me up enough that I don't think I am going to pass immediately. Sorry, table talk. Uh, do you guys have either skill you can try and apply if you had any stuff? I or no. I used my meager first aid skill earlier. <laughs> failed. My first aid skill is one of my stronger skills, so I was going to try to see if I can at least make them more comfortable. Before I, I mean, was even if just you had like high proof alcohol yeah. and bandages would probably help. Yeah, right? just ease the pain a little bit. Well, just or or, or prevent infection, mm -hmm. like, you know, like whatever. You can probably help. Just thinking, you know, in character. I say yeah, this stuff in that's character. That's what I was I thinking of doing. And yeah. as you guys are discussing you know, this, as you guys are discussing this, Cat, uh, you notice uh, in the corner over here, there's the light seems to be growing. So it's a little bit off. And then a few seconds after you notice it, you actually see the light moving. And about that time, all of you notice there is something in that corner. Something other yeah, I'm right there. Oh, hold on. Is there anything... Hold, hold on. Anything, hold on. Uh, sorry, uh, sorry. Before, before any of the uh, whatever you want to respond with, the moment that you guys see this thing, your mind just says, nope, because there is nothing in this world that is a roughly four inch tall kind of jellyfish looking thing made out of pure fire. This is Not obviously a living thing, but it is made out of light. And the best way to describe it is the fire of the stars themselves. Everybody roll sanity. 
Yeah, <laughs> for your sanity roll. Inspire on that one. Oof. Hard success. Ooh, failure. Um, okay. What, uh, do I just... you, have a, you have a 90 sanity. Hey, well, uh... <laughs> I've seen some shit. Hey. So the three hey. of you that succeeded, you are going to lose one sanity. Uh, for uh, Silvio, since you failed, you are going to lose 1d3 sanity. So roll 1d3, please. Okay. Yeah, I have... Oh, Stokes redeemed something. What was that? Stokes redeemed something in chat. Okay. Uh, sorry, I did not have that up. Oh, spend luck on sanity. Spend luck on sanity. For both Simon and, uh, so, and Silvio. Silvio, if you would like, you can spend 20 luck to make that sanity a success. Um, Sure, let's do that. Normally... For those of you watching, normally you can't spend luck on sanity, but that was one of the reward options, so. Nice. Uh, since you did, you have succeeded, and you will only lose one sanity. I, I think, uh, like, Simon, I mean, uh, Clifton moved in the way of it just in time, so I didn't get the full view. <laughs> That's my luck. <laughs> he is accidentally selfless. Like, not generally selfless, but accidentally selfless. So, in the moment of horror that you all have, because when you actually succeed on sanity, uh, it definitely is the, you know, moment of, um, um, what the hell is that? As you're trying to comprehend. And in that brief moment, a piece of the starfire that makes, the, makes up this thing seems to float off of its body and speeds towards Professor Smith. And the bed Can catches fire. Yeah. Oops. First thing, it's going to be a little harder. <laughs> and that is... Oh, sorry. Nope. That is where we're going to call it for this evening. <laughs> At the start of next session, it's... you will get to have your first experience with combat... And that combat is going to be with our lovely friend here, the Fire Vampire. Yeah. Oh, yes. oh it's a Fire Vampire or a Star Vampire? Or it's a Far it's a, it's a, yeah. You're thinking uh, Star Spawn? Oh, uh, but... yeah. I'm, I'm mixing the two. I'm playing the two, yeah. Fire vampires, are... Fire vampires are tiny and terrifying. I like so... to think that the... Um, the, 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 the... The screen like zooms in on Smith, and there's a record scratch, and it's like, you're probably wondering how I got here. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'd be great. Uh, so yes, story. Uh, next session, we will kick it off with uh, seeing how they respond, seeing if they can save Professor Smith seeing what they can do about this star vampire and seeing what happens as they get ready to start their journey. So thank you all for joining us this evening. I hope you have enjoyed it. Uh, next week, we will start at our usual time at seven central instead of eight central. 
Uh, hope you guys had a lot of fun, and we will see you then. Bye. Cheers. Bye.